You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Hi, everybody, and welcome, and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, and I think my mom's watching today. Happy Mother's Day to her as well. Thanks for being here. We do know at the same time this can be uh, a tough day for some of us based on the kind of mom that we had or that we, we didn't have. I want you to know that we, we see you today as well, but of course, also, we want to honor and say thank you to all the amazing moms out there who do and sacrifice so much for all of us. Uh, if you missed the video that opened our service today, you owe it to yourself to go back and watch it. It's really, really meaningful. But welcome to Mosaic Church today. And if you're just joining us, we are in the middle of a series called What's After ATX, where we're looking at what the Christian faith has to say about life after death through the lens of near-death experiences. And again, if you're just joining us so far, we've looked at some introductory evidence for the afterlife. We've looked at relationships in heaven. Last week, we looked at the beauty of heaven, and today we'll sort of pull it all together and see something that brings it all together. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I got a text message one afternoon from a friend of ours, and it said this. It said, go look outside your front door. And of course, when you get a text like that, you're intrigued, and we were intrigued, and she got up and she went a little bit ahead of me to, to open the door, and as she opened the door, I was I could kind of hear some some music coming in from the outside. I could see a kind of a, a vehicle approaching our house, and as I walked outside and stepped into the light, there it was, with a big speaker on top blaring the song. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. There it was. It was the Kona Ice Snow Truck Cone Truck come to make a home delivery. And if you're wondering who that hobbit on the end there is, it's it's me. Thank you very much. I'm actually an above average height male. No, the reason it looks like that is because the driveway is sloped. No, I'm just kidding. We just feed our kids miracle Grow. That's what happens. But anyway, our friends surprised us that day by sending the truck to our house to give us each a snow cone. It was it was beautiful. It, it was it was fun. It was loud. All the people in our neighborhood who were out on properly socially distanced walks were looking at us with jealousy and you know jealousy in their eyes because of the big blue truck of glory parked curbside at our house. And one of my sons looked at me and he said, "Dad." This is awesome. And he's right. It it was. And and to be honest, I kind of teared up right there. I started getting emotional, but not because of the cup of sugar I was holding in my hand. Of course, the whole thing, the music, the truck, the surprise, the fun, it was all great. But what was most meaningful, what touched my heart, was what we felt inside all of it. It was the love from our friends we experienced on a day. We really needed it. And as I stood there with my melting Kona ice snow cone, I thought, I want this feeling to last. I don't ever want to leave right now. I want all the pain. Uh, I want all the loss. I want all the suffering of all of our friends, all the sadness we feel, all the sadness from our friends who have lost their jobs or have lost loved ones, all the terrible, cursed COVID-19 pandemic, all of that to be gone. I don't want to leave right now. This is the kind of love I never want to leave. Because love is what life is all about. Love is what we were built for. It's what we crave above all else in life. And do you know, 
that an experience of life-changing love is what many indie ears say that they not only encounter in heaven, but that they say they encounter in something specific in heaven. Or rather, I should say, they say they encounter in someone specific in heaven. Because the highlight of many NDEs is an encounter with the being of light and love. It's an encounter with the highlight of heaven himself. And last week, if you were here, you may recall, we we began to hear the first part of the story of 20-year-old New Zealand surfer dude, Ian McCormick, and his NDE. And Ian, again, he's from New Zealand. Uh, He was living what he thought was his best life at the time, chasing girls and parties and waves and drugs and all that. And he was out surfing one night when he was stung by a box jellyfish. Here's a look at one of those things. And uh, one sting enough is deadly enough to kill you, but he got stung four times. And actually, I looked up and I was going to show you what an image of what just one sting does to the human body, but it was so horrific, I couldn't bring myself to do that to you on a Sunday. You're welcome. But in the ambulance, on the way to the hospital, as he was dying, uh, he began to have an NDE, and he said he began to have a vision of his mother who told him to pray to God and ask him to forgive his sins. But Ian was an atheist, and he began to question the vision, saying, well, who should I pray to? There's like thousands of gods. But he he said, I didn't see any of those gods. I just saw my mother. My mother followed Jesus Christ, which, again, is just once more a reminder, you should always do what your mom says. But he he said he started to try to remember a few verses of the Lord's Prayer, but they wouldn't come uh, uh, that his mom had taught him as a child. So he asked God to help him remember, and one line surfaced. It was the words, forgive us our sins. And so he prayed that, and he tried to go from there, but he, he slipped away, and he died. But he said all of a sudden he felt even more alive and yet trapped in utter complete darkness. And here's what he said happened to him next. He said, quote, I was weeping by now. And I cried out to God, why am I here? I've asked you for forgiveness. Then a brilliant light shone upon me and literally drew me out of a darkness. And as I stood there, questions began racing through my heart. Is this just a force, as the Buddhists say, or karma, or again, And Yang, is this just some innate power or energy source, or could there actually be someone standing in there? I found myself beginning to weep uncontrollably as the love became stronger and stronger. It was so clean and so pure, no strings attached. This love was healing my heart, and I began to understand that there is incredible hope for humankind in this love. I was so close, I wondered if I could just step into the light that surrounded God and see him face to face. And as I walked through the light, it continued to heal the deepest part of me. Standing in the center of the light stood a man with dazzling white robes reaching down to his ankles. I could see his bare feet. The garments were not man-made fabrics, but were like garments of light. As I lifted my eyes, I could see the chest of a man with his arms outstretched as if to welcome me. I looked toward his face. It was so bright. It seemed to be about ten times brighter than the light I'd already seen. It made the sun look pale by comparison. I knew that I was standing in the presence of Almighty God. No one but God could look like this. Ian McCormick was having an encounter with the highlight of heaven himself, Jesus Christ. As he over and over in the ears describing meeting him, a being of light and love, and he's always described in the same way as a man with a robe. And if they see his face, it always has brown skin and a beard. And they regularly report uh, meeting someone 
who has blue eyes, which is fascinating when you learn that Jewish people from the tribe of Judah regularly have blue eyes as well. See, over and over again, even as skeptical researchers acknowledge Indy ears do not report meeting Krishna, the Hindu god with blue skin, nor do they report meeting Shiva, the god with three eyes, nor is there any mention of the Hindu goal of moksha or merging with the ultimate consciousness called Brahma or ultimate reality. Jews don't describe meeting Moses. Muslims don't describe meeting their prophet Muhammad. No, Jews, Christians, Buddhists, Hindus, atheists, Muslims, they all describe Meeting him, white-robed man, with a voice like many waters, holding a book of accounts. And almost 2,500 years ago, a Hebrew prophet named Daniel saw the same thing. He saw a vision of someone, and he wrote it down. And here is what he said. He said, Daniel chapter 7, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and his wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. And in my vision tonight I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And centuries later, Jesus of Nazareth came into the world and he took those words upon himself and he said, that's me. Who Daniel saw was me. I am the son of man, and my kingdom is one that even hell itself cannot overcome nor defeat. And the first Christians over and over again, what did they call Jesus? They called him the light of the world, the light of the world. And they claimed that he died for the sins of the whole world because he loved the whole world. See, God didn't just send a Kona truck into the world for you. No, he did something better. He sent himself. Why? Because we all crave a relationship of love that will last for forever. We all crave a love that will come and find us no matter how far we are from it. We all crave a love that will heal us no matter how broken we are. And we all crave a love that will save us no matter how much we don't deserve it. This is what Jesus of Nazareth offers you and offers me. But listen, don't take it from me. There's something that you need to see next, someone you need to hear from next. You're about to hear the story of someone named Dr. Howard Storm, who at the age of 38, when he was a tenured atheistic professor, he died. He had an NDE and an encounter with the highlight of heaven, someone who changed his life. And here in the interview, you're about to watch it, he is being interviewed by John Burke. He's a, uh, the author of Imagine Heaven, a friend of mine. And it's this, this interview is going to be the bulk of the message today, but it's deeply moving. It's really funny. And it's totally unforgettable. And listen, I watched a bunch of these in preparing for this series, and I think this one is probably my favorite. So take a look at One Man's Encounter with the Highlight of Heaven, then I'll come back at the end. Help me welcome Howard Storm. And uh, 
Howard, I found out some people actually came to hear you today thinking you were Howard Stern. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have much better than that. Yeah. We have Howard Stern. So you were a tenured college professor yes. and an atheist yes. when in, in Paris you, you had this thing happen that radically changed your life. I mean, completely. Completely. Why don't you take us back to that day? Tell us what happened when your body failed and you died. Okay. June 1st, 1985. Although it was more than 30 years ago, it could have been yesterday. That's the, the thing that's that wild. That's what everybody says. Is yeah. The memory's not here. It's, yeah, it's my, like... I mean, sometime I can't, sometimes I can't remember my wife's name, which she doesn't like, but I can remember <laughs> this. <laughs> you know? But this is clear as yesterday? Yes. And um, I think that I was as unpredisposed to have this experience as anyone could be. I was a committed, confirmed intellectual atheist and had been ever since my adolescence. And all of my friends were. I had, at 11 o'clock in the morning, a perforation of the small stomach, which meant that um, somewhere between a half and three-quarter of an inch rupture in um, my digestive system, like right inside of there, burst open, and the hydrochloric acid in the digestive juices started to migrate into my abdominal cavity. So what I was doing was I was digesting myself on the inside. And what that feels like is precisely like if you reached your hand into the barbecue and picked up red hot coals and stuck it inside of you. Just, it was just red hot fire. Um, the pain of it took me to the ground kicking and screaming. My wife called the desk for a doctor. They called a medical service. A doctor came. He knew exactly what was going on. Uh, told us that it was a critical situation. I need to have surgery like immediately. And he was going to be sending me to have that surgery at um, a big city hospital. An ambulance came, had a um, hair raising trip in the ambulance through the streets of Paris going, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour. And when it's the emergency room, diagnosed by two more doctors who, same information, um, you either have the surgery now or you're not going to make it. You only have a little small window of opportunity, a few hours to live. Um, but you it's found gonna, that like five hours usually and people yeah, die. Maximum, yeah. Be because you become so septic and, and the infection. And uh, I was sent to a surgical hospital, and it's kind of hard to understand from the perspective of the United States, but there was no doctor at the surgical hospital because it was a weekend. Or in French, it was le weekend. <laughs> in other words, don't have an emergency in France on Saturday. Not on Saturday or Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they put me in a room and just left me there. No, no doctor, no blood uh, work, no... Um, Blood pressure, no temperature, no, no medication, medication oh. no, no drugs, no pillow, no sheet, no blanket. Um, I mean, how, how, what do I need to say about nothing? You know, there was nothing. <laughs> and uh, the hours went by. Um, never saw a doctor. Every once in a while, every hour or so, a nurse would come by and say, Sava, and uh, I was still, I'm dying. I mean, and this wasn't like wishful thinking it was you know it was like um, i i knew and i was getting increasingly hard to breathe the pain which is had been an area now became my whole abdominal cavity and it was um just 
uh, mind-numbing. I mean, I just could, I just incomprehensible if this could be happening. I had a French roommate who tried to intercede for me. Somebody do something, and they're like, "What can we do? There's no doctor to give any orders." Um, so, uh, cut that. Cut to the chase here. At 8:30 that night, we've gone from 11 a.m. to 8:30. Nurse comes into the room and says, um, we're very sorry, but we're unable to locate a doctor. We will try and get one tomorrow. And when she said that, what I heard was ready, aim, fire. Um, not literally, but you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's done. This is, I have been hanging on the cliff and I've lost grip with one hand and, I, and a couple of fingers have gone numb and like, why? What, what's the point? And um, it's time to go. What did you think would happen when you died? I didn't think. I knew. I was a rational, well-educated man, and all of my friends were PhDs in their different fields. And anybody that didn't know what we knew was ignorant. What we knew, I mean, I'm just trying to, I mean, this is what we really think, and I know they still think. Um, when you die, it's over. The end, nothing, you know, no, no more sensation, no more consciousness, no more life. It's just, you know, you've seen a squirrel run over on the road, like, what do you think, a little spirit goes floating up to heaven? What do you, like, not, you know, like, no, there's no such thing. It's just, that's all a figment of the imagination. So that's what you're prepared for, and then you expire? Yeah, and I'm 38 years old, and my life had been good, and I was like, this is it's terrible. It's frightening, but... Um, so I went unconscious, and I awoke from that unconsciousness, and to my complete surprise and delight, I felt better than I'd ever felt in my whole life. And specifically, my eyesight, my hearing, my taste, my touch, everything was more intense than it had ever been before. And it's very bizarre to assert this, but this is a lesser reality than what you experience outside of this reality. And one of the things that I like about near-death experiences, they all agree on this. There's, there's this consensus of opinion yeah. amongst us weirdos. You know? yeah. <laughs> that this, this earth is more like the shadow of the real thing. Yeah, and yeah. it's a pretty strange assertion. And so you felt that. You felt great. You're, you're looking at the same room, you're in the same room? Yes, but there was a couple disturbing things that happened. One, as I tried to communicate with my wife and I tried to communicate with my roommate, Monsieur Florent, who was very kind, they seemed to be ignoring me, which made me very angry. Well, you know, my wife always ignored me when I was, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, so did you think you were dead? Well, there was one more disturbing thing that I couldn't understand. The bed that I had been in had a corpse in it that looked like me. But I knew, no, I thought, I didn't know. I thought, how can that be me? Because I'm standing here feeling great. That's me. And I'm alive. Makes, makes no sense. I don't know why that's there. But it's not me. I'm me. You know? And... Uh, I heard people outside the room calling me by name. Howard, come now. We're waiting for you. Come. And um, who do you think they were? I asked them, 
I said, are you from the doctor? I'm sick. I need surgery. I've been waiting all day. I'm very sick. And they said, we know. We know everything about you. We're waiting. No more time to wait. Come now. I mean, in this, I'm trying to imitate their kind of syrupy, sweet invitation to me. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, they're going to walk me to surgery. What else is new in this hospital? You know, <laughs> of course you're going to walk, get walked to surgery. <laughs> you know, um, only the best. Only the best. <laughs> and uh, I left the room and went into the hallway where they were. And they walked me and walked me. They encircled me um, and made sure that they directed me. And the journey went on and on and on. And it, went, it seemed like hours, days, on and on and on. And as we went... Which is kind of confusing, but time wasn't really the same. There, it's very weird, but there was no time. Everything, there was no past print present or future, everything was just in this big now. That's too weird to get into. Um, and eventually, I realized that we were going into complete darkness. It had been so gradual that it took a while for me to figure this out that, you know, I can't see anything anymore. And the other thing was that the people who would start off with these kind of sweet voices were now like, move it, keep going. Don't ask questions. Shut up. Move. You know, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. I want, I so, want out of here. So this is, I mean, this is really eerie, but I think really important is, in essence, you had the same experience initially as everybody. You felt great. You were more alive than ever. And you have this really nice welcoming committee. Right. Just didn't turn out that way. Yeah. Um, next time I'm looking for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, keep going. Yeah. Talk about it. <laughs> you know, he did say he would come and take us to where he is, mm. you know? Um, and I'm believing that. Mm. And anyways, uh, I said, I'm not going with you any further. And they said, oh, yes, you are. You've got further to go. So I am not um, the world's leading authority on what happens in the netherworld in the underworld, in the hellish shield pit, the abyss, the valley of the shadow death. But I've been there. How many people can say that? Uh. You know? <laughs> well, do you think that yeah. is what Jesus was talking about when he said the outer darkness? Jesus talks about, actually, Jesus never used the word hell. He talks about being cast into the outer darkness, there's weeping and gnashing teeth, and he talks about Gehenna, Gehenna, which was the garbage dump of Jerusalem. And this uh, fit the bill on both accounts perfectly. So what, I mean, what happened that radically changed your life? When I refused to go with them any further and they wanted me to go deeper into us, that we fought, and this... Uh, battle went on and on and on until eventually there was nothing physically, emotionally left of me to resist anymore. I was all, I was strewn about. I was eviscerated. I was um, um, total pain, total humiliation, total violation and stuff that um, I have never talked about and I have no intention of ever talking about because they're, they're really bad at what they do. 
I, never, I was about to say good at what they do, but there's nothing good about what they do. I mean, they're very sadistic. And uh, I called, uh, I remembered in this place of complete hopelessness, which is the most profound about that place. But it's, it's hard to describe unless if, if any of you, you've been there in a place of complete hopelessness. Um, in that place, my memory remembered my childhood and, you know, this um, childlike, simple trust and belief in a guy by the name of Jesus. And I, I had nothing except that little memory. And I remembered believing that and feeling that, and I, and I, you, and I you, went for it. You wrote in your book that you just remembered three lines of a song. Jesus loves me, la, la, la. That was it. Some woman gave up her Sunday morning to teach Sunday school. And I don't remember her, but when I go to heaven, I'm going I'm to kiss her hands hmm. and thank her. And I never gave that gift to my kids. I raised my kids as atheists. And they bought it hook, line, and sinker. And I've got to suffer with that for the rest of my life. Maybe not. Maybe we're going to pray not. Yeah, we're going to pray. <laughs> when I felt that Jesus loves me, I called out in that darkness, Jesus, please save me. I didn't mean to sound like a Baptist, but I did. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he came. <laughs> you said you said you saw a pinpoint of light. Yeah, I saw. Of, I saw this kept growing like a little the... star, and it got so bright over me that it was like it wasn't scary, but it was like whoa, whoa! This light is like too bright. It's you know, it's like, am I going to be consumed in this light? And when the light came over me, not only did I see how really horrendously disemboweled and disgusting and putrid I was. Hands and arms came out of the light, reached down, touched me, and all that gore dissolved away, and I was intact and whole again. And much more significantly was when those hands touched me. I was filled with a love beyond any experience of love that I've ever had. And I'd like to add that all this I live for is that love. The experience of the love, which I am able at times to re-experience to some degree, which I experience from other people, and it's one of the reasons I'm kind of addicted to church. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we, we do that love bomb thing in church, or we certainly strive for it, and, yeah. and, and it does work at times. Yeah. Um, we struggle, and, but we sometimes get close. Yeah, and I have a 100% certain expectation that me and my buddy, my best friend, my Savior, my King, my Lord, my Jesus, um, we're going to be doing this again, and it is going to be the great getting up, hallelujah, day of my life. You know? That's so awesome. <laughs>
absolutely the best. And you said, so he took you out of there. Yeah. And as we're rapidly going away from darkness into a world of magnificent light, which is like, oh my, you know, <laughs> I've been the dope of the universe because we're going to where God is. This is God's house now we're going to. And you can see it far yeah, off, off in the, off and you're going the there. And I thought to myself, he's made a terrible mistake. I'm filth, and I belong back down there. And we stopped our progress towards what I like to refer to as home, because that's where we all belong. Mm. It's our, our real home. This is not home. Big mistake thinking this is home. Mm. This is just a temporary experience. And he spoke, and he said, we don't make mistakes. You do belong here. And I thought, How'd you know I thought that? Did you hear my thoughts? <laughs> and he, like, I know everything you've ever thought. And I thought, oh, no, this is really bad. <laughs> well, anyways, so we started to converse, and it's like so easy. And it's the easiest being in the universe. Because not, I don't understand how he does it, but he totally gets each and every one of us. I mean, he did make us, <laughs> you know, so but that it, might but be But isn't it funny that we don't get that? We just don't. We don't, yeah. we think we can hide from him or we hide our thoughts or yeah. he doesn't know. And like I'm a grandfather. I got six grandkids. Well, actually seven now. And, uh, you know, I just love my grandkids. Um, and when you're a grandparent, you, you, you love them more unconditionally than you love your own children. You know, they, they're jumping the furniture and breaking things. It's like, isn't that adorable? <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, mom, God, you yeah. do yeah, something. Right, right. <laughs> well, God is actually more like a grandparent because his expectation is us to have the fullness of life that he gave us in this world. Um, and he's not... Um, a cruel judge. He, he is absolute justice. Yeah. And he really abhors injustice and sin. But he also, he wants that our joy may, that his joy may be in us and our joy may be complete. Mm. That's scripture. Um, he wants us to be just filled with the joy of life. Well, and, and you had a whole life review in his presence, which we'll, we'll actually talk about the last week. We'll yeah. have you back on screen. Okay. But um, so you came back. Um, how did that happen, and how has it changed your life since? After the life review, he invited me to ask questions. I asked him everything I could think of, and then um, I told him that I wanted to go to heaven because he had shown me heaven. That was just a tour. It was a visit. But I want, I mean, I'm in, I want to go there, be there forever, because heaven is the coolest place in the universe. I mean, heaven makes this look like, you know, you know really nothing in comparison, because it's so much richer and more interesting um, and more varied. You think you got trees in this world? Ah, when do you get to heaven? You know, um, et cetera. And, Jesus said, no, you know, you need to come back to this world. He, he told me that I was not a candidate for heaven at this time. I just didn't have the character. I wouldn't fit in. Um, and no, wait, you, you got to explain that because, I mean, 
he saved you, so you were right with him, right? Right. So what, what does that mean? In heaven, there's no shadow, there's no fear, there's no anger, there's no vengeance, there's no sin. It's a bunch of goody-goodies having a good time. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I don't want to be a holy Joe, you know what I mean? You know, I mean, you know, someone who goes around and stifles other people. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be that. I want to be a joyful follower of Jesus mm -hmm. and do no harm and try to do as much good as I can possibly good given whatever circumstances I'm in. Yeah. And so he sent you back. Yeah, to my great disappointment. <laughs> um, and so here I am, and I come back into this world, and it's like, okay, how do you do this? How do you follow Jesus? How do you do this thing? And one of the reasons why I'm so enthusiastic about the church is because that's, I, I did read the Bible avidly, but um, I was misunderstanding, misinterpreting, and driving people away from God through my zealotry. Really, it was a really bad mistake. Um, and well, the church, you've seen what you've seen. I think you would be zealous. Yeah. And um, the church experience taught me how to, the practical application of Christianity as opposed to some kind of, you know, nutty, you know, individualistic interpretation. Well, and I know that following Jesus has cost, earthly-wise, it's cost you pretty much everything, hadn't it? I um, don't think I want to go there right now because it hurts too much, but I've also gained everything too. You know, it's, it's so weird. The more you let go, the more God gives you in a different way. Yeah. And I've had a lot of trouble believing that <laughs> and yeah. trusting it, and it, God has proved it over and over and over again in my life. Yeah. Let go of this, and you'll be surprised what I'm going to give you. Well, Howard, I, I can't wait for your next meeting with Jesus. Thank you. Because as I've gotten to know you. Wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you I, saying? I know, <laughs> I know you're going to hear from him, well done. Amen. Well done. Amen. Good and faithful servant, you will. Amen. Let's thank Howard for taking the time to be with us. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's an amazing story. That's, that's incredible, isn't it? And Howard Storm went on to write a book about his experience. He became a pastor. He went on to lead Anne Rice to Christ. She's the author of The Vampire Diaries, you know, the, the Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise vampire movie. And he's gone on to be on Oprah. He's told his story all over the world. Why did he get that? Why did he have an encounter with the highlight of heaven? Well, of course, I don't know all the reasons, but I do have a good idea about at least one reason, maybe even the main reason why this happened to him. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus of Nazareth prayed this prayer for you, for me, and for all the Howard storms in the world who were to come. Jesus prayed this in John 17. He said, quote, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. 
I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. See, what Howard Storm's story shows us is what Jesus' prayer shows us, which is that Jesus wants us to be with him for forever. He wants us to experience light and love for forever. I mean, look at his language here. He says, God, let him know that you love them as much as you love me. God, I want them to see and experience glory and love for forever. And Jesus also prays that those who love him right now in this life will bring others to believe in him so that they can also be with him for forever. About 10 years ago, I had something unforgettable happen to me. No, it wasn't in the NDE, but it it still was remarkable. It was right before I came to what we now call Mosaic. This church wasn't called that back then, but right before I moved to Austin to be the lead pastor of that church, which is this church, I went to say goodbye to some friends. And I'd gone to say goodbye to the church that I I had grown up in. And for the previous 12 years, I'd been working exclusively with college students. They had been a big part of supporting me and encouraging me while I did that work. So I went back to say thank you and to let them know I wouldn't be seeing them quite as much anymore because, you know, my weekends tend to be booked now. But the pastor that day allowed me to get up and briefly thank all the people who were there. And so I did. And then all of a sudden, a really strange thing began to happen. All of a sudden, without being given permission, they didn't have to do it, a number of gray-haired old church ladies began to get up out of their seat and walk toward me, some pretty slowly, kind of wobbly, but then they started walking toward me, didn't say a word. Again, this kind of thing did not happen in a place like that. Some of you have been in a church like that, and about six old ladies came up to me at the front of this church, and they, they spun me around. They gently began to push me down on my knees. They laid their hands on top of me, and they began to pray for me. No one else except me and God could hear what they said. They began to pray things like, God, thank you for today. Thank you for Morgan. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of his life, to see what he's becoming and what he's doing. Who, who were they? These older women were a bunch of my Sunday school teachers from like 20 to 25 years before this. They, they had taught my classes taught me vacation Bible school. They prayed for me even when I was not even interested in serving God. And as they sent me off now into this new part of my journey, they just wanted to commission me in their their own way. And there there was one little lady named Christine Burkett who had stamped one verse she knew in me like a tattoo artist. who has got one tattoo stamped on everybody. It comes into his tattoo place. Uh, it was Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I didn't even know what it meant for years, but she she still stamped it on my heart anyway. I'm so grateful for her and for them, how they lived out Jesus' prayer in John 17, how they prepared me through their message to one day receive the highlight of heaven, Jesus Christ Nazareth. And what about you? Maybe you've heard something today that's prepared your heart in a new kind of way. See, we were created for this, for intimacy for a love that lasts, a oneness with God and each other that will last for forever. It's for anyone, 
anyone who just responds to God's invitation through Jesus just to love him back. But he's not going to force you. He's not going to make you love him any more than someone who really loves you would ever force you to love him. No, someone who loves you with no strings attached just goes out and gives all they have, does whatever they can do to win you back, win your heart back. And that is what God Almighty, the Ancient of Days, has done. He loved you so much, he sent himself into the world to get and win you back. And you can begin to follow him right now on a path that'll take you even through death into eternity. And one day you'll see him face to face. That's what he promised to bring us home. And you can begin to follow him right now just by praying this prayer with me. Maybe you never prayed it before. Maybe you have, but you can pray this right now. You just say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you and I thank you for preparing my heart today to receive you. And right now, Lord, I just repent. I turn my back on my old life and I'm sorry for all the ways I live for me. And right now, I receive you for who you are, my King, my Lord, and my God. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being resurrected for me. Thank you for saving me. And Lord, give me grace to follow you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know what? Of course, it's, it's never, never just the content uh, of our prayers. It's really just the attitude and the position of our heart today. And if you pray that prayer, we would love to begin to help you follow Jesus and grow in, uh, in this encounter with this being of love and of light because he's for you and he loves you. So there's a, there's a number on the screen. You can text that. We've got people who are waiting to talk to you right now, and we'd love to help you and take it from there. Thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you back again next week. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.